grab one if you need one. Um, that was great. That's, that's what happens uh, the first Wednesday of every month here at the Vineyard. We uh, invite the community in, and we invite you in as a part of this community um, to care uh, real practically, to embody the, the mercy of God real practically to the people who have need. Uh, we're always uh, happy to have people come to serve. Our, our greatest need right now really is things. It's stuff. It's those non-perishable food items. It's those uh, children's and women's clothes that um, people are in desperate need. And uh, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about the way we give. When we give, we give out of God's hand. And it's, uh, it's so fun to be here on those Wednesday nights to literally um, reach into heaven, even if it's in the form of your closet <laughs> or your pantry, and uh, take what uh, comes from God and give it right back to serve as it were, Jesus, uh, in the midst of people. So thanks for what you're doing. Let's continue to do it. And, um, oh, heck, let's do it more. Okay. All right. Could I have some more lights up here? I feel, no, I can't. It doesn't exist. I'm dark. It's just the black. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. Um, <clears throat> before, uh, before I get into the message this morning, um, when I was worshiping here this morning, I had a real sense that God was speaking to me. And here's what I think the Lord said. I think he said, I just said, God, what are you doing here today? You know, not like, what are you doing here today? We're like, what are you doing here today? <laughs> What's, you know, uh, John 5:19? Jesus says, my father is always working. So he's working this morning. He didn't wait for us to get here to start working. He's been working. He's been preparing the works for us to walk into. And I felt like the Lord said, this is what I'm doing this morning. I'm issuing personal invitations. I'm issuing personal invitations. So I want you to just uh, plant that uh, in your spirit as we uh, talk over the next 20, 30 minutes, because my guess is the Lord has a personal invitation for you, real specifically for you, um, whether that comes through the message or through the word or God speaking to you or someone else afterwards giving you a word or an encouragement. Um, just going to ask you to open your heart. And Jane just... Uh, mentioned to me this morning when she was worshiping what she saw was just this little crack of light just this little crack of light and she heard the lord say you know if if there's just a little crack a little opening it's enough for me so if you're in a place in your life where you realize man there's a lot of darkness but i see this little crack you know that's all god needs if you'll respond to god if you'll say god you can have it bring your light in he'll respond he's faithful to do that amen okay Okay. Um, I want to start a new series this morning, and um, I honestly don't know how long it's going to go. <laughs> I, I said to someone, I think I have about a three-month message. So I'm just going to start it this morning, and we'll see how long, how, how much I get through for the next uh, couple of weeks, maybe months. Um, I'm titling the series, Everyone Gets to Play. Everyone Gets to Play. When, uh, when I was a kid... Uh, I mean, I was like uh, any other kid. I just I loved to play, um, and uh, I I've got real distinct memories. I remember seven years old. I remember one day when I was seven years old. I was with, I was just with my friends in the um, in the neighborhood, and we were out and we were playing war. And I'm like, why did we do this? You know, I guess I'm a male. Um, we're out playing war, but the the glorious part of war. It's not like we were conquering. We were really looking for the perfect death. Did anyone else ever do this, or was it just me? I rem there we go. I remember what we did over and over again was there was this, it seemed like a 10-foot wall. If I looked at it, it would probably be one brick, you know. 
but we would leap off this wall and then pretend that we were shot in midair. And we would have this glorious death, you know. And, uh, I mean, that's literally 40 years ago. And I still remember. I can smell the grass. Because I was just so caught up in, let's be honest, wanting to be great. Wanting to be great. I mean, I, I, I grew up in southwestern uh, Pennsylvania, so I rooted for the Steelers growing up. It was a good time to be rooting for the Steelers. I'm sorry. Cleveland Browns over there. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I loved watching the game, but more than watching the game, I loved playing the game. So my friends and I would sit in front of the Steelers game on a Sunday afternoon with ball in our hands, you know, just ready. And every single commercial, we would run out and get a few plays in. And I won the Super Bowl a thousand times because I was called to greatness. I mean, you just long to play. I can remember hitting eight irons, you know. Uh, in my front yard, over and over and over again. Still my best club. It's about the only one I can hit. And every time I was winning a tournament because I wanted to play and I wanted to be great. And you know what? You're the same way. Because God's planted greatness in our hearts. God's planted greatness in our hearts. He's, he's called us to great things. C.S. Lewis says it this way when he just talks about the the work of God, the image of God in people. He says this, you've never seen a mere mortal. Isn't that a great phrase? You've never seen a mere mortal. You're not sitting next to mortals this morning. You're sitting next to sinners. But you're sitting next to sinners created in the image of God. Greatness is sitting right next to you. So in these next couple of weeks and months, I just want to call out greatness in us as a people. I want to call out the image of God. You know, you've got all these people, what, six billion in the world, and they're walking around with greatness within them. And so many people in the world have given up greatness and settled for comfort. They've given up eternal impact and they've settled for worldly pleasure or comfort or just getting by or just killing time. And we're called in a different way as the people of God, with the glory of God manifested in us through Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, in, um, created in the image of God. We're really called to greatness. And it's not just a few of us. It's every single one of us. Now, there's a humility that comes with it. We'll get to that. This morning, I just want to call out greatness. It's hard to live out the greatness that's been planted in you in this world. It's just hard. You know, John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have troubles. Don't stop there in the verse, because then Jesus says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I mean, is there anyone out here this morning without trouble? Probably not a one. But we take heart because the one that we love who loved us first, has overcome the world. <clears throat> so with uh, that in mind, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to participate in the work of God by living out the greatness that God's planted within. Let's just uh, go to him and ask him to, to be with us, to speak to us this morning. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the promise. Ecclesiastes 3, it says that you've set eternity in the hearts of men and women. And so, Lord, uh, this morning we acknowledge the fact that eternity is within us. 
that we are eternal beings. We are created for greatness. Not the greatness of the world, but the greatness of the kingdom. So I ask in the name of Jesus the King that you would release upon us that, uh, that wisdom and that revelation in the knowledge of Jesus and that spark of the divine that's within us. Lord, we ask that you fan it into flame these next few weeks. That you would call us out of comfort, off the bench, if any of us are sitting there, into the game. Not just great imagination, but actual greatness. We trust, Lord, that you'll be with us, that you guide us by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Twenty-some years ago, I was a freshman in college. I don't remember that many sermons. I don't remember my own sermons, okay? <clears throat> I don't remember that many, but I remember uh, I was a freshman in college at Miami University, and I went on a fall retreat with a, um, with a campus group, and a guy named Dan Hayes spoke. And I can distinctly remember the, the, his message the very first night. Here was his message. The people who know their God will do great and mighty exploits. I can just, I mean, I get little tingles. Did anybody see my tingles? When I think about it right now, because it, that, that message changed my life. Because I'm the, I'm the seven-year-old wanting to die gloriously. I'm the golfer and the football player and the skier who was looking for greatness. And here's a guy who said, you know what? If you want greatness, press into God. Because the people who know their God will do great and mighty exploits. And I was hooked. I was hooked. The love of God is an amazing message. The power of God is an amazing message. But the message that really brought me into ministry and the kingdom was this. You know God, you get to do great things. I just got hooked by it. And I'm still hooked by it. The people who know their God will uh, do great and mighty exploits. Daniel 11.32. And the context of this passage in Daniel, it's, Daniel's an amazing book. I mean, Daniel is, there's some narrative there where you see the power of God through a faithful people. But then you've got Daniel prophesying hundreds of years before what will happen to the people of God. What will happen in Jerusalem. You got him prophesying in the 6th century what's going to happen in the 2nd century B.C. Hundreds of years before, because the Lord spoke to him by the Holy Spirit. And so in Daniel 11, 10 and 11, Daniel is, is um, basically prophesying very specific things that are going to happen. Very specific things that the enemy, yeah, real guy, Satan, through evil people, is going to do to the people of God. And what he's saying is this, there will come a time, and it actually happened, 167, there will come a time when the temple is desecrated. There will come a time when an abomination is, is put in the temple. When the normal temple sacrifice, the way that the Jews obeyed God, the way that they honored God, heard from God, and manifested the presence of God in the temple. He said there will be a day when that, uh, that temple worship is broken down. And then this little verse, Daniel 11:32. But the people who know their God in that day will do great and mighty exploits. Another translation says, will display strength and take action. Another translation says, will firmly resist him. In other words, the, the enemy, the evil one. Do you realize that the enemy is doing the same thing today? 
he hasn't changed his plan of attack. He's still after the desecration of the temple. This is a little quiz if you were here in the last couple of weeks. Where's the temple of God? Everyone just put both your hands up. There's the temple of God. Everywhere you are, sit, live, move, and have your being in Christ is the temple of God. And the enemy's trying to do the same daggone thing. He's trying to desecrate the temple of God. He's trying to distort and destroy the image of God in you because he planted greatness in you. And if he can get you to give up on greatness in the kingdom, then he wins the battle. He's already lost the war, praise God. But you know what? I would just like to see us win a few more battles along the way. Why not? Because the promise is this. The people who know their God will do great and mighty exploits. They'll resist the devil. They'll display strength and they'll take action. That's what motivated me 25, 27 years ago. To say, all right, I'm going to give up all the stuff that I could do in the world and I'm going to serve God. Because I want to see great and mighty exploits. Somewhere along the way, God allowed me to have some pretty significant failure. Just to kind of weed the pride out. And just sort of pepper greatness with humility. <laughs> but you know what? We're still called to greatness. We're still called to it. And the way to greatness is this. You've got to know God. We've been invited, can you believe it? We've been invited to know the creator of the universe. Who's going to resist the enemy? Who's going to keep the temple pure? Who's going to walk the way of obedience in, in a faithless generation in the world? It's the people who know their God. It, you look in the scriptures and you see, at least New Testament, these four images of what it means to know God relationally to know God. You see, um, a child with father, that kind of knowledge. You see, a subject to a king, that kind of relationship. You see, um, a sheep to a shepherd. You see, a, a husband to a wife, that kind of knowledge. So, to know God is more than just being able to say the words or say the prayers or read the Bible. To know God means that you're intimately connected with the one who protects, who guides, who corrects, who instructs, who empowers, feeds, encourages, exhorts, and loves. That's what it means to know God. You look in the Old Testament, I mean Daniel 11, the word there to, you know, the people who know their God, doing great and mighty exploits... That word to know is the same word that would be used when a man and a woman come together and the result is a child. Do you hear the intimacy of knowledge that God wants with us? The people who know God will replicate God. The people who know God will walk out into the world and Jesus will be replicated where they go. I mean, honestly... I almost feel like I just want to stop the message right there and just go on the floor and repent. Because, I, I mean, I'm saying that to you and I'm thinking, am I replicating Jesus where I go? Is Jesus replicated? Don't get condemned by that question. Understand that behind every conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's an invitation into the kingdom. Don't you want Jesus to be replicated in your life? Don't you want Jesus to walk around your neighborhood? 
I want Jesus to walk around my neighborhood and speak the truth to these people. And he, he, he has a vessel to do that. His name's Randy. <laughs> We've got a lot of new neighbors. Not one of them is named Jesus. Jesus lives in my house. And I want to see Jesus replicated. Don't you want to see Jesus replicated in your workplace, in your school? I mean, doesn't Hamilton Southeastern School District need a little Jesus? <laughs> and he's there. He's in our kids. In the Indianapolis schools, in the Christian schools, he's there. And he's one to replicate himself. But there's just this little part that he calls us to. It's the people who know their God who will do great and mighty exploits. It's the people who are um, that intimate with the creator of heaven that he literally infuses us with his Holy Spirit. You know, they say um, that a husband and wife, after a while, they begin to look like each other when they're married for a long time. They begin to speak like each other. It would be a great deal for me. <laughs> Not so much for Jack. It's the same way with Jesus. As we build a relationship with him over and over, day after day, we do begin to look like him. We, we do begin to, to speak like him and talk like him. You know what I'm saying because you've seen Jesus come out of you at times. Every single one of you. You've seen it. And you looked and you thought, wow, what was that? And that was Jesus being replicated out of your intimate relationship with him. It's what he longs to do wherever you are. He wants to replicate himself in you and through you to know God's personal, active, intimate. Knowing God means that we will display strength and that we will take action. It means that we'll take risk. Jane and I were um, visiting our son where he's studying at college and we were in a, in a city and um, we we're walking down the city street and, um, and there's a... I'm going to get in trouble for this. Oh, well. <laughs> and there's, a, um, and there's a, a kid out there. He's 19 years old. His face is all... You can see it's all distorted. And then there's a picture of this kid, you know, what he looked like before brain cancer had its terrible impact on him. And he's out there and he's got a bucket. He's asking for money. And there's a bunch of his friends that are there and they've got a, just a, a stationary bicycle. And they're, they're cycling 12 hours a day in the middle of this city um, just as a way to raise awareness and, and to raise money because $100,000 is needed for the treatments to, to, to heal this young football player, 19 years old. Riddled with brain cancer. Now, I see that and sadness hits me. And I start thinking, how much money do I have that I could give? Well, Jane sees that and she says, we're going to go pray for him. So in the middle of the street, Jane walks up and we just talk to the guy. And Jane and our son, Ben, just start laying it on him, you know. <laughs> Nicely, can we pray for you? We believe God can heal you. And right in the middle of the city, they laid their hands on him and prayed. You know, and I and I thought I'm just being honest with you. I thought that's I'm so glad we did that. I didn't initiate, but I got to be in on it. You know, like <laughs> we prayed for him, and you know what? We gave him money too. We we gave him money too. It's not just like go be warm and well fed. No, we prayed for the kingdom to come and for for healing to happen, and we and we gave him money too. We cared for them. The guy was crying as when we finished praying for him. I mean, he was moved. You could sense it. Jane has the faith that her knowledge of God will translate into strength and action 
the devil will get resisted. He'll lose some battles along the way. So Jane says, after we're done praying for about a minute, do you feel better? And the guy says, yeah, I feel better. We were there two days. We were in the same place two days later, and Jane stormed up because she wanted to find the guy, fully expecting that he would be healed. He wasn't. Not yet. The day's coming, though. But it's the people who know their God who will display strength and take action. They'll, they'll go and they won't be offended by the sickness and the disease. They won't just rant at the sickness and disease. They'll actually take the presence of God into the presence of sickness and disease. You know what happened before the Old Testament, all the laws against lepers. Why? Because you touch a leper, you get sick. Jesus comes, he turns the whole things over. Jesus touches lepers and they get well. And we're replicating Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you see this, the kingdom of God has come down upon you. The kingdom's here. I mean, the kingdom's here. And it's moving forward. And it's moving forward through you. It's moving forward through your intimate relationship with God. Your day after day pressing in to know God. To know him more. It's a call to greatness. Whether it's known in the world or not. Can you hear that? It's a call to greatness in the kingdom, whether it's known to the world or not. The single person who's longing for a relationship, companionship, intimacy, who says no to the temptations of the world and feels the loneliness and bears up under it and remains pure. Greatness. It's the people who will walk out of disobedience into obedience without telling the story to everyone. It's the, it's, the, it's the secret victories in your heart, in your mind, where no one else can see. What happens in your spirit when you connect with God? What you're doing alone in the secret place, victories are won. Greatness. Whether it's known in the world or not. The kingdom is building itself up inside you every time you say yes to God. Every time there's more strength. For Daniel, it actually meant the risk of death in the lion's den, you know. You, I mean, I just didn't you love that story? However many 6,000 times you may have heard it in Sunday school. I always loved it. Daniel wins every time, you know. Daniel's uh, um, call to obedience and the king of the world wants him to bow in obedience to, to him, to an earthly king. And Daniel says, I'm not going to do it. And the king says, if you don't do it, I'm sending you to the lions. And Daniel says, whatever. They, they put Daniel in the lion's den, the hungry lion's den. And through the night, God preserves him and he walks out. And I'll tell you, you come out of the lion's den and the lion's just laying there. You've got a testimony, right? The lion was hungry because it ate the people that let him out. Oops. <laughs> the Bible says God opposes the proud. And Daniel humbled himself to say, I'm not going to say yes to the, to the king in the earth. I'm saying yes to the king in heaven. I know my God. And so Daniel resisted the devil. Daniel displayed strength and he took action. Daniel did great and mighty exploits. It meant holding to God's standard with confidence and absolute trust. 
for Daniel's friends. Remember those dudes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember those guys? Same deal, called to worship the earthly king rather than the heavenly king at the threat of the fiery furnace. Remember what they say? I should read this one. Do I have that one up there? I'm way off my notes. Yeah. They say this. If you're ready, this is, this is the king speaking to Daniel's friends. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And their response, their response with the image of God leaking out in light-filled speech. They say this, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. In other words, even if we're toast on an Old Testament stick, we'll be rescued from your hand because we'll be in the hand of God, our king. And then they're bold. I mean, bold enough to say. But even if he does not. Even if our understanding of God doesn't match safety and protection. Even if he doesn't. We want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. The world could use a few more of Daniel's friends. And it's you. You're the temples of God. You, you carry around the presence of God that within you would have the exact same feeling and sense and, and passion. And you know what? Aren't you put to the test like that every day? Doesn't the enemy in some way tempt you to worship the God of this world in some way or another every single day over and over and over again? And the people who know their God will resist him. The people who know their God will display strength and they'll take action. The people who know their God will do great and mighty exploits. Whether known in the world or unknown, the kingdom's going to go forward. And it's going to go forward through you. You get to play. It's going to take a little risk. Hosea chapter 6. I just want to talk a little bit more about the knowledge of God. If you're here this morning, it's quite likely that you know God. You have a relationship with God. There might be some here this morning who don't. I think Jesus is offering you a personal invitation to get to know him this morning, if that's you. But many of us in the room have a relationship with God. We know him. And yet here in Hosea, we're, we're pressed. We're challenged to go just a little further. It says this, Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to know Him. As surely as the sun rises, He'll appear. He'll come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. It's the people who know their God that will display strength and take action, do great and mighty exploits. And for some of us, the personal invitation this morning is this, press on. Have you become comfortable in your walk with God? Is there that little crack of light? And the Lord's inviting you, just that little crack of light. He says, come on, let's go a little deeper. Let me give you a little harder word. Let me take you a little farther out on the limb. Let me show you a little bit more of my power. 
and my love. So the kingdom goes forward through you. Let's acknowledge the Lord. Press on to know the Lord. It's God's invitation to us to know him deeper, to press on, to seek him. God always responds to the seeker. If you're here this morning, you don't know God, but you're looking for him. He's just thrilled by that. He's thrilled by that. Second Chronicles 16.9, one of my favorite verses, Old Testament. I memorized it a long time ago in another translation. The eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the earth, that he might strongly support the one whose heart is completely his. Again, no condemnation, but just let the Holy Spirit ask the question to you this morning. Is your heart completely his? Is there any place where you're just holding back and he's asking you to press in? You don't have to come up and tell me about it. God knows it. He's just waiting for the yes in your heart. He's just waiting for you to say, yeah, I'm going to press on to know the Lord. I'm going to press in a little bit. It means this. You'll actually have to do something different than what you're doing right now. I don't want a bunch of human zeal stirred up. I don't want you to feel, I've got to make it happen. I've got to make it happen. This is an invitation from God, remember? You press in and he responds. Go back to that other verse if you would, Mike. He, as surely as the sun rises, he'll appear. He'll come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What's he saying? You know, I, I say this over and over again. There's God's part and our part. We can't do his part and he won't do our part. Our part is pressing in. His part is the promise where he comes to us. Like the rain that we cannot create, but we can't live without. I heard a great story. Um, I, can't, I, I can't remember the, the context of it. It's church fathers, you know, 5th, 6th century or something like that. And the disciple is, is, is going to his master. And he's saying this, I, I, I want to be formed into the image of Jesus. I want to look like God. I, I want to grow in my relationship with God. What can I do? And the master says to the disciple, you can do as much to change yourself as, the, as you can uh, cause the sun to rise in the morning. And the disciples disheartened. He's like, well, what's the point of my spiritual discipline? What's the point of my prayer? What's the point of my study? What's the point of my solitude? What's the point of my repentance and my desperation and my longing? And the master says, to make sure that you're awake when the sun comes up. That, that's where we stand in the tension of the kingdom. We can't change ourselves into the image of God. We are the image of God. We can't form ourselves to become disciples. But the disciplines, the time you spend in the word, the time you spend in prayer, your repentance, your acknowledgement, your confession, your worship, your giving, the use of your spiritual gifts, all of those disciplines, they just help put you in the place where God can come and do what only God can do. You see the tension there? I want to call us to press on, but our pressing on won't change us. Our pressing on will just be a collection of a few hundred people moving towards God so that God can keep his promise and come and do what only he can do. Change us. Transform us into the likeness of Jesus. So fill us with his love and power that everywhere we go, love and power explode.
What would it look like if we knew God like that? It would look like businesses being led with integrity and showing the world, this is how God would do it. It means children being loved and, 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 and trained so well that they actually go way past their parents in spiritual vigor and fervor and power. It means communities being transformed. It means churches being turned upside down and, yeah, inside out. It means that poor people eat. Sick people get healed. It's the people who know their God, pressing on to know God. That little bit of light that he's inviting you to, who will, who will resist the devil, who will display strength and take action, who will do great and mighty exploits. And it's you. Why don't you stand up? Let's pray. Communion servers can come forward. Um, it's a great word that's not used much anymore. The word's magnanimity. Magnanimity it comes from two Latin words. Magna means great and anima means soul. And a magnanimous person is a person who's allowed God to form them so that they are formed into a great soul. God's calling us to be a people of magnanimity, greatness of soul. By just consistently pressing in and putting ourselves in the place where God can come and do what only God can do. Make us into the image of Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer this morning. It's my prayer, God. I ask in the name of Jesus the greatest soul, that you would make us a magnanimous people. That we would be so filled with your love and power, our souls so saturated with your presence, that when we walk into the world, the presence of God goes through us. That people see what Jesus looks like 2011 in Indianapolis. And so, Lord, we ask that you would... uh, Inspire us and give us faith and courage to press on to know you, that we might resist the devil, show your strength and take action in the world, do great and mighty exploits. Just like you promised, Jesus, you prophesied we would do greater works even than you did. God, let us see them in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. If you've uh, given your life to following Jesus, this is your time to remember what he's done for you to give you access to God, your creator. Just come forward, take a bit of the bread representing the body of Christ broken for you. You dip it in the wine or the juice representing his blood that was shed for you to forgive your sin, to cleanse you now and forever. If you've never given your life to Christ, you don't know what it means to know God then I'd invite you to come forward and anyone here in the front row or in the ministry team afterwards would love to tell you how it is you can know God personally through His Son, Jesus. So if you're ready, please come forward. Just stand. Let's go back to where I began this morning. God's issuing individual invitations this morning. And I don't know what your invitation is. It might be an invitation into a relationship with God the guts, the courage it takes to surrender yourself and say, God, I I made a mess of my life. 
and I need you. Save me, heal me, change me. It may be a, a place in your life where you know you. God's calling you to press in. I think God may have spoken very specifically to some of you. You know exactly what's next. And you just need someone to be with you in the journey and to pray for you. That you'll be able to display strength and take action. So uh, when I'm finished here, the ministry team will come forward. If you'd like someone to pray with you or for you, we would love to do that. Let's pray. Lord, I ask now that you would send us into the world. So filled with your presence. So intimate in our relationship with you. That the world sees not just us, but Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you'd uh, give us that spirit of faith, joyful obedience in the kingdom to take the greatness that you put in us and watch it come out of us. And we'll do it, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the ministry team can come forward. That'd be great. If you'd like prayer, please come, uh, come forward and talk to someone. Otherwise, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.